This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 150. And instead of a quote of the day, I just want to thank every single one of you who listens to this podcast. Getting to 150 episodes is... is uh, pretty amazing as far as I'm concerned, not from my perspective, but the fact that you guys still allow me to do this. You still listen and you're still uh, participating and and being part of the drummers resource community. So I really, I really do appreciate everyone. And I hope that there's a thousand more episodes of the podcast, but from the bottom of my heart, I really do just want to say thank you very much. Uh, It's really been a dream come true to have drummers resource turn into what it's become. And uh, yeah, so just Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast and got a little... uh, Got a little emotional with my little heartfelt message in the beginning there. I was getting a little choked up, had to cut it off. Uh, but again, just, man, this is amazing. Episode 150. And who better to have on the podcast for session 150 but Scott Pellegrom? And we're going to get into that in one second. But before we get into it, I want to let you know that this Wednesday, February 10th, I'm doing a live seminar Q&A with Jim Riley from Rascal Flats, who I've had on the podcast before, but we're going to be talking about his survival guide for the modern drummer. It's a book that he has, but more importantly, we're not going to talk too much about the book, but we're going to talk about the contents in the book because it's a very, very important topic to make sure that you have all of your bases covered when it comes to styles. And he put this book out and you guys know that I don't just go around promoting people's books and things like that. But Jim's book is amazing the way that he breaks it all down. And it's it's a styles book, but it's a really creative styles book with play alongs and all that stuff. So the the seminar and the Q&A is going to be about all of these styles and key elements of all of these styles and how you can practice these styles and stuff like that. And you'll have the chance to ask him questions and, and all sorts of stuff like that. That's part of Drummer's Resource Pro. If you're not a member of Drummer's Resource Pro, I suggest heading over to drummersresourcepro.com and checking it out. There's archived seminars from Brian Fraser moore Calvin Rogers, Paul Wertico, Rich Redman, uh, this one with Jim Riley, and I have a ton of other guests that I'm planning to have on, and that's the exclusive membership that I have at Drummer's Resource Pro. So check that out, drummersresourcepro.com. One other issue, uh, for some reason, Snapchat is not working under the drummer's resource username not sure what's going on with it and uh so i just switched over i'm going to use nick.ruffini now as my snapchat from now because i'm tired of dealing with all the issues that i'm having with the uh with the drummer's resource one so if you're following me on snapchat head over to nick.ruffini r-u-f-f-i-n-i and you'll catch me on there i'm going to stop talking uh and we're going to get into this interview with scott pellegrom i hope you enjoy it Scott, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, thanks to, to Pegasus, the your dog, <laughs> for uh, for joining us for the interview. I'm going to snap a picture. You guys can't see this, but Scott is, is talking to me, and he has his dog sitting inside of his sweatshirt, uh, which is interesting because you said that he practices, or when you practice, he sleeps in your sweatshirt, which is crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. When I, um, what is it? St. Patrick's Day will be our two year anniversary. Nice. He uh, just turned two, but uh, from the moment I had him, he came to all my drum lessons when I was given private lessons, came to all the studio sessions. He always loved to just hop in my hoodie. He was much smaller when I first got him, but, uh, you know, he's about 10 pounds now. But he goes everywhere with me. He goes good, everywhere. Good thing he's not like a Great Dane. <laughs> I know, that would be tough. <laughs> I could probably fit in that dog's hoodie. Right. <laughs> so um, I always like to get a little bit of the backstory of my guests, and we don't need to go through you know your entire history. But for for the folks who don't know who you are, just give a brief uh, view into who you are and what you do. Who I am, um, I'm a bit of a nut job <laughs> for the most part. Um, typically, when people describe my my playing, it doesn't. No one ever says like a chop guy or a a jazz drummer. They say like a, a Indiana Jones or something odd like that. Someone who likes to explore. Um, I kind of fell into this unique niche um, of being an educator, a clinician, 
um, a freelance guy, a band leader, and a studio drummer. Um, nice. You know, I've been playing pretty much my whole life. I, I can't. I don't think there's a picture without me banging on pots and pans or something from when I was a child. And uh, it's something that I just pursued my whole life. It, it makes me really happy to play music. Uh, it's a challenge because every day you're challenged. You know, you, know, right, you can right. always get better. Um, but that's kind of my background. You know, I've been a self-employed entrepreneur in the music industry, more so in the drum industry. It's fun. I just interviewed, uh, I've had, so Rich Redmond, uh, are you familiar with Rich? Oh yeah. He's amazing. So he's a buddy of mine and I've had him on the podcast before. I just interviewed him for a second podcast. He was one of my first guests and we had, but we had a long conversation about, about sort of the entrepreneurial side of things. And it's a, it's, it's a common theme that, that always runs through the podcast is because I like to focus a lot on, I, I talk a lot about the playing, but I also talk um, a lot more about, about the business side of things. And, um, you know, really how as a, as a self-employed musician, how you can do this as a, as a career, because I, I want as many people to be able to play drums for a living as possible. So I try to get the best kind of education uh, I can out to, to all the listeners. So it was, I, I like the fact that you said that you said that you're a, you've been an entrepreneur inside of the, inside of the music business for such a long time. I think it's huge. You know, I just had this conversation uh, with a buddy of mine the other day. I was doing a, another interview and the number one thing that we kept talking about is just the business side of things. Like, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, so many people have this idea that uh, you're either going to be in a band and you're going to get a record deal and you're going to get famous and be on tour and the money comes in and life is good. Or you get a gig for a major pop artist and then life is made and that's it. Right, right. You know, but people don't realize that there are so many different avenues to make a living as a musician. Um and so many people don't realize also that like that big pop dream is is more so a dream. It's not like a reality. Um, there are so many people, I'm sure that you know, who have been through that that world. And some of them mm -hmm. make a great living and some of them don't. Right. And the right. trick is um, for me, like I realized, yeah, I, I like to tour, but I like touring, playing music I love with people I love and not worrying about the money so much. Um but if I'm going to be out on tour, when I come home, what am I going to do? Right. Well, I literally just had this conversation yesterday. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Daniel Glass and I was like, you know, I don't want to be – I never want to be in a position where I go out on the road and I do this tour and it's great. And then I come home and then it's like, OK, now what am I going to do? Where is the next check coming from? And then somebody calls me for a tour that I don't want to do and I say, all right, I guess I'll go out on this tour yeah. Not because I want to, but because I need the money. And I was like, I've, I vowed that I'm never going to be in that, in that situation because to me, the most important thing is freedom. So I need freedom to, to do what I want to do. And that to me doesn't feel like freedom. Yeah. That's, it's amazing because I, at an early age started getting caught up in that and I thought, man, this isn't necessarily what I want to do because I'm constantly booking work that I'm not fulfilled with. Mm -hmm. And I don't really have any control and I'm just kind of, I, I do what I'm told, which is great when you're learning and you're becoming a professional, you know, you right. have to know how to play the gig, smile, have a good attitude, be a great performer. But I love hanging out with drummers. I love talking to drummers. I love playing with drummers. I love drums. And I wanted to find a way to be able to continue to learn the craft and the art of drumming, be able to teach it. And then find that avenue uh, where I get to always be around, I guess, all the drum porn, you know, right. <laughs> seeing all the new products all the time. Yeah. So, you know, there's people like Dom Famularo who carved out such an amazing career. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy like I remember he told me, uh, <laughs> I hold wood in my hand and I hit plastic, right. you know, and, and, and he travels the entire globe doing that. Right. And that is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, I've uh, I've I've definitely uh been amazed at, at his the success that he's had. Not not because I'm amazed that he was able to do it. I'm amazed that he was able to do it, if that makes sense. 
It, you know, I mean, he could. I mean, he's a. It's, he's he's Don Famalara. He can. You know, he can. He's an animal. Yeah, I, I think he should run for president. I think he would win. <laughs> he might if win if he wanted to. I think he would. Yeah, I love. I actually, I had Dom on the on the podcast, and he, uh, you know, the, just the fact that that he. You know, he's so innovative. I mean, he I mean, he's an older guy now. I mean, he's not that old, but he's old enough. But he's like he gets it, man. He's like he understands where the trends are going. He understands where people are learning, how people are learning uh, and just like just takes it to another level with all the stuff that he does. I think he was the first guy to like ever teach Skype lessons. I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but he was the one who taught me. Or, or told me about Skype lessons before anyone was even doing it. Yep. And now he has like all kind. He got like high speed internet installed in his house to like, yep. or like a, a higher speed of internet so he could broadcast all around the world. So he does. He does master classes from his house on Long Island in other parts of the world and has like fifty people attend and he never has to leave his house. Yeah, it's amazing. Craziness. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he and it's kind of one of those unique things. Like for me, you know, like we're lucky in the drum community that, for the most part, almost every single person is really open to share their ideas, their experiences, and to give you uh, the good and the bad of their experience mm-hmm. through the industry. Um, but it's also unique because you can take certain people. Like to me, Dom is a business model, yeah. <laughs> global domination, right? And you can look <laughs> at his facets and be like. How much is he working? How is he working? Where is he working? How did he start? What are his facets of, of income? Mm-hmm. And then you, you can take some of those and go, okay, I, I really like this part. Now let's look at uh, somebody else, who Chris Coleman or someone who seems to work all the time. Yep, I've been lucky to do events with him all over the world and he's literally flying in from a show not sleeping, taking back a smoothie, and then just raging on the drums, blowing people's minds, signing autographs, and then he's on a flight somewhere else. Right. right you know, right. And, and I started looking at people like that and saying, oh, I really like this part. I really want to do that. I want to do that. And you start kind of carving out your own little niche, a business mm-hmm. plan, you know? And you can mm-hmm. also do that with, with playing. Right. You know? It's funny because I think a lot, and I... I feel like I've opened some door and I don't, I'm not by any means like talking, bragging by any means, but like, I feel like I'm opening people's minds a little bit to, to the business side of things because I, I, it gets a negative connotation a lot of times where it's like, nah, man, I'm just an artist and like, I can't worry. And that's, it's like, that's fine. But if you want to do this as a career, you got to pay your bills. I don't care. I'm not saying you got to make a million dollars a year. But you got to make enough money to pay your bills or you're going to like being broke is not fun. So, you know, (laughs) so, you know, no matter how much, you know, how much you concentrate on your art, you still at the end of the day have to pay your bills. And I think that sometimes people think I can either be an artist or I can make lots of money or I can make enough money, I should say, or but I can't do both, which is completely inaccurate, you know. It is. It is. And it, it's funny. Like one thing where you said, uh, you know, you don't want to brag or anything. But here's the thing. We are our own brand. We are yep. our own business. And we are, we've devoted our entire life uh, to building this craft, understanding an industry, learning everything we can about music and building relationships. And at the end of the day, we are our business. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I'm sure like, like you and most people I know, we don't want to talk about ourselves or push ourselves, you know, and be like, look right. at me. But if, if someone says, what do you do for a living? You're basically, I do me, you know, like, right. <laughs> so it's right. weird You have to talk about yourself. And then people look at you like you're a schmuck. But yeah, you know, so it's, it's a weird scenario. Um, what do you, if somebody, if, if I just met you on the street and I was like, Oh man, what do you do for a living? What would you say? Uh, self-employed. Yeah. That's what I, I'm like, I dodge the bullet all, all the time. <laughs> I got, cause I, I do like nine different things. And like my wife always looks at me like, how's he going to answer this one? You know? Yeah. Uh, cause it's hard to explain me like, well, I travel all over the world doing drum clinics. Okay. Well, what's that? Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Drum clinics. And then it's like, well, what else do you do? I, I give private lessons. Um, I do studio work. Uh, 
I run my own band, but I also tour with other groups. And then it's like this long list of things. And And then it sounds like you're bragging. Yeah. And then it sounds like you're bragging or that you're just scatterbrained and you can't focus on one thing. Right. And you can't just be like, I'm a musician because then they're like, oh, that's worse. Yeah. That's full. They're like, oh, right. right." Oh, so you what do you really do? (laughs) What restaurant do you work at? (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) You know, so it's funny. But uh, I've been trying to kind of do the same thing, though, to really open people's eyes, because I find this weird niche right now that. You can kind of be discovered and get endorsements and have a fan base because you post videos on YouTube. Right. Which is cool because mm-hmm. I know coming up when I was, you know, raised on the farm, man, that would have been so cool to be making videos and meeting people and maybe get an endorsement or something because I have a fan base. Right. That's cool. But the other side is people don't realize when you're making those videos, you can edit all you want. You can do all these plugins, you know, to make the drums sound great. You can quantize things. You have all these different camera angles and all this stuff that can really spice up what what is really going on. Right. Um, and then on top of it, these people haven't been out studying with multiple drummers. They haven't been out auditioning and doing freelance gigs, cover gigs, wedding gigs, you know, bar mitzvahs, like anything like getting fired and all. yeah, getting fired, getting hired, <laughs> knowing what it's like. Uh, you can go do a wedding gig and, and make a quick five bills and then you can go play a raging show and the girls are going crazy and you end up paying to play. Right. Right. You right, know, right. Like yep. There's so many different facets and levels. And I just, I want people to make sure that they understand that the heritage of being a musician for so long is that you work. You're in the community, you're in the churches, you're at the weddings, you're at the birthday parties, you're at funerals. I mean, you're, you're always a part. Music has been a huge part of our culture, mm-hmm. I mean, of human race for so long. And just in the past five, 10 years, it's all online and you, you can communicate that way. But yep. don't forget our heritage. <laughs> I agree. It's funny because I had, a, I, um, I had lunch with Ndugu Chancellor. And we were just talking about the current state of what's going on. And one of the things that that he said that I thought was really interesting was that people doing casuals and people doing wedding gigs and people doing, you know, bat mitzvahs and all that kind of stuff. He said that people think that they're above that now. And he said they're you're a musician. And if you're getting hired, it doesn't matter. He said, you need to own a tuxedo and you need to, you know, play these gigs where even if you're not on stage, you know, in front of 25,000 people, you can, you should still have, be able to make a career playing music and don't think that all of these gigs are beneath you because they're not like the cool thing on Instagram or the cool thing on, on Facebook. And he's like, you know, playing f- five or, you know, playing a couple of wedding gigs a week and playing a casual and like this thing and that thing. He was like, that's you're a musician. That's what you get. You're getting paid to play music. Yeah. And you make a living that way. Right. Right. You know, like I even look at, at it, too, because there's a, a big uh, corporate wedding group that I work with. And pretty much everyone else that I record and tour with all work with this group. And they have like 17 groups in 17 cities wow. around the U.S., and it's one of those things where if I wanted to with that group alone, I could pretty much make a living. I could be – I'm almost booked into 2017 doing gigs with this group. And what it allows me to do is meet other musicians, learn new material. And the wage is so good that when there's the other gigs that I may not want to do, I can comfortably say I don't want to do those gigs. Right. And I could focus on writing music or producing music, or I can stay home in my pajamas, drink coffee, and play drums all day and watch <laughs> Buddy Rich videos. <laughs> right. You know, so it allows that balance. And I mean, there there has to be a certain point where you might say that may not be the gig for me, or uh, maybe I'm doing way too much work for the certain amount of money. But mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I get offered any gig at any time. Sure. And if sure. I can do it, I'll do it because I just love to play music. Mm-hmm. It's I got a a buddy of mine asked me to sub for him for a wedding gig. I guess this was probably like three years ago or something like that. So they booked ten gigs, five hundred bucks a piece. They have 
a, a complete sound crew. They have or a cr- complete road crew. They have sound. You eat and you play for three hours, you know, two and a half hours. And yep. you only play half of that because there's a cocktail and all that other stuff. And then I get to learn 30, you know, 30, 40, 50 songs that I didn't know anyway. So it challenges my comfort zone. And I'm like, man, that's five thousand dollars. It's crazy, you know, for and it was it was a good gig. And in the beginning, I was like, man, I don't really want to do because I, I didn't I never had never done the wedding gig thing before. Um, I mean, I played at weddings, but never in like a wedding band. And then I I was like, ah, I don't really want to do this. But then after I did, I was like, man, this wasn't bad. And the money's really good. Yeah. You know, and it, man, it is amazing, too, because if you open your mind to that type of stuff, it can lead you to so many other opportunities. Sure. And it's kind of the same scenario, whether you're uh, learning music for a, a really high-end wedding band or a pop tour. There are certain credentials you have to have. Right, right, right. You know, like you're not going to show up and just blaze chops or bash cymbals. You have to play to the gig, to the environment, to the music, with the musicians. All kinds of styles. Everything. All kinds of styles. You have to be legit. You have to count the band off and know how the tune starts and ends. And, you know, you have to communicate with people on stage that you may have not played with, with music you're not familiar with. Like, Mm -hmm. that's your survival skills. No matter, take wedding gig or pop gig out of the equation, gig, you need to know um, how to do the gig. Did you hear that bell as soon as you said gig? Gig. You're like, wedding gig or pop gig? Gig. It was like, ding, ding. (laughs) And my phone's off too. Thank you. Apple products for being very consistent with uh, <laughs> making sure people can communicate. <laughs> sure, always, always got to keep you addicted, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to I want to talk a little bit about your playing style, and you, we've talked about this in the beginning about you know people saying Indiana Jones, and you're referred to as like the mad scientist or or whatever else, and you have you have a unique style which I think one is amazing, especially this day and age. I feel like everybody sort of sounds the same. That's a generalization, but a lot of people, you know, sound the same. Um, so talk a little bit about how you develop that style and sort of the creative process that you go through, um, you know, whether it be practicing or composing and things like that. It's kind of, it's still kind of, uh, confusing to me yet to figure it out. Like I feel really honored at this day and age, to make a living playing drums and, and to have somewhat of a name or a branding, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Again, talking about ourselves is right. awkward and yep. weird for me. And I think it's interesting that somehow I've found this niche or a voice because there's so many amazing musicians this day and age. It's ridiculous. And you have people like who are, are chasing the Dennis Chambers or chasing the Dave Weckl or the JoJo's, you know, like the, those players created a certain path. Right. And a lot of people are, are running down that path, and that's amazing, and it's incredible. Um, I also was kind of one of those people, like the first VHS instructional videotape that I had was Back to Basics, Dave Weckl. Yep. I was nine years old, and every day I would watch that video. I would sit in front of the TV and go through all the exercises he had. Um, I played along to the video. I'd have my drum kit set up, and I'd play. You know? Right. And he kind of like indirectly, without ever meeting him at that time, he Miyagi'd me. I didn't know what I was learning. I didn't know. I was doing finger control, but I didn't know it was finger control. I was nine years old. But what that taught me is then I found Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa and then Dennis Chambers and Billy Cobham and Tony Williams and Max Roach, all these amazing drummers who all had their own voice. Mm-hmm. So I I would jump in and try to set my drums up like them. I would try to tune my drums like them, um, had the cymbal height like them, and I would try to just get inside their brain and try to figure out the Billyisms and the Tonyisms and stuff like that. Um, and that taught me to be kind of a chameleon, you know, which mm-hmm. really helped in the working scenario years down the road to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to try to, to mimic a Steve Gadd thing or, or a Steve Jordan thing, because that's the gig or the vibe that they wanted for the studio. And in that process, you know, I was studying with Dorico Watson, who 
to me and to this day is still my biggest inspiration and the best teacher and mentor I've ever had. Like, really? I actually, we've been emailing back and forth about getting him on the podcast. So, Oh man, you have to. He's just like, I get goosebumps actually just thinking <laughs> about the lessons I had with him and how hard he again, Miyagi'd me. Like he just pushed me so hard without me really even knowing it. Like he was a very innovative and unique player who always took risks. He smiled and laughed and yelled when he was playing um, which also kind of comes from another great drummer from Michigan, Tim Franchak, uh, who is just a mind-blowing human being. Uh, he's incredible. He's scary. Um, so it, it kind of was a bit of the mentors I had, the Dorico Watson, the Tim Franchak, the Marcus Hunter, uh, Rupert Kettle, and players like that. And then I also – and I'm not really saying this in any uh, a linear timeline because uh, now I'm thinking – I heard Adam Deitch on Schofield's Uber Jam and Up All Night Records, and I was like, who is this dude? Yeah. I have to study. And I literally like was searching the internet. I was probably 21, 22, living on the West Coast. I came home to Michigan, booked a lesson with him in New York, drove there, and picked his brain. And he was just one of those dudes where it was like he just came out, and it was like, that's Deitch. You just knew yeah. it. Yeah, every yeah. record, every recording that he was on, you just knew it was him. And it was like the nastiest, funkiest, grooviest stuff with textures and colors. Mm-hmm. So that, and that was kind of the thing that my ears really started to gravitate towards was like what hand percussionists are doing, what bassists are doing, what vocalists are doing, and the range of expression with their instruments. I started thinking, how can I get my drums to sound like they're singing? Or sound like uh, a fall windy day with the leaves drying and falling. How can I get the sound of rain or thunder, or or you know the sound of a cannon? Like I started just thinking, wow, the drums have like one of the craziest ranges of of dynamics and tone mm-hmm. out of any instrument. So with trying to learn to be a chameleon and, and study all the greats, and then finding unique people like Deitch. Um, I started combining. I would get frustrated in the practice room and I would just stare at my drums for a minute and be like, let's try something. Let's blow air into a floor tom and hit it. Okay, that's cool. You can change the pitch (laughs) that way. What happens if you talk into a drum because you're like head on the snare drum frustrated with all these hybrid rudiments and just start talking and all of a sudden you hear (laughs) right? Right. The buzz noise and it's like, oh, you can talk into the drums and they work and then all of a sudden I just realized, like, man, there really isn't anything you can't do with the drums. So it was kind of like a, a stress release from practicing and beating myself up to just get funny and weird with the drums and see what works and then find a way to make that come into context with a solo or a groove or a rudiment. Right, rudiment. right, Huh. So kind of just by experimenting and – I literally, when I practice, there's a technique I, I teach to all my students. I call it the drool method, meaning when you're at your practice pad or at your drums, you try to make your brain go black. And you are so relaxed, you're pretty much drooling out of the corner of your mouth. <laughs> nice. And when you're hitting, you're just listening to the tone. When you're throwing the stick, you're just letting it do its thing. You're not trying to accomplish anything other than observe the mechanics of your body and how the sticks work or your feet work or how a pedal works. And you also just let your ears tune in to the actual sound that's coming out. Hmm. And when you do this, it's kind of like a meditative thing because you're just trying to figure out and train what's going on from hands to feet, from eyes to ears. And when I started doing that, I realized the drums really have their person, their own personality. And you're kind of there to have a, conversation with it right you know it's kind of like a symbiotic thing Mm -hmm. it's an interesting way of looking at it and it was just like a practice because sometimes you just need to clear your head because you've spent so many hours with paradiddles or open close technique that all of a sudden you're just kind of like regurgitating things that you already know instead of finding a way to make it be uh, musical or expressive right and a lot you know do you hear something like you know, a paradiddle or just a, a simple groove. And 
you know, if you just focus on the paradiddle, it's like that, 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 you know, it's just, it's very robotic and it's not musical at all. And, or you take a beat and it's ding, ding, ga, dika, dika, ding, you know, and you're like, yeah. what, even if it's like something complicated and you're like, man, this doesn't sound cool. It just sounds like a bunch of blocks stacked on top of each other, Yeah, you know, rather than having this, this musical life and, and breath between the notes and, and all of that. So it's an yeah. it's interesting way that you look at it though. I like, I like the way that you explain that. It's kind of like it, cause I found, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm probably a perfect example of, I did everything right and everything wrong. I got hired and fired. I was really into myself and digging my playing, but not being aware of the music at, at, at an early age and stuff. So I had a lot of hard lessons to learn. Like, Okay, you have chops and flash, but can you just play two and four, right? And make it feel good, sound good, and smile, and make people dance. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it that was a hard lesson for me. Like I just wanted to chop out and blaze chops for so long, and then I realized, oh, like people need to dance. They don't want to hear gang dingo, diga gang gangle, jig a ding, diga ding, you know, like what they, they don't. Boots, boots, cats, you know, right. Yeah, it's so, like, look at, you know, Steve Jordan. I mean, Steve Jordan has chops, but like he plays a five minute drum solo and it's a groove for and it's five nasty. minutes. <laughs> yeah. And it's nasty. Like that, that, uh, that I think it's the Vic Firth, uh, per artist spotlight. And it's just Steve just on, on this riser, just playing drums. And it's just him grooving the whole time. It's just like, man, it's like eight minutes of just grooving. And then he like goes to the, he, he moves to the ride and it like, it makes it like this big thing, but he's really just playing all the same stuff. Yeah. It's so amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So there's kind of the, that facets. Like I think when developing your playing or trying to find the loopholes in your playing, you want to look at like the, the balance of, I really think you should do your best to push the technical ability of understanding every rhythm and, and modulation out there and all the different rates and ratios that we have, but also building your hands and feet and trying to understand every technique that you can. But you also just have to understand our role. Our role as a drummer is to keep time. Right. <laughs> you know, whether people are, are marching in a parade or they're dancing for their, their first dance at their wedding, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, or calling in, setting up a band or, or calling people in so they know it's dinner time or we're going to war, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> – that's our job is to set things up and make make things make sense yep. within music, within that context. And so you got to be able to understand the simplicity or just the role of what we're supposed to do as well as push your boundary. Let's take a minute to thank the sponsor of the podcast because without them, this podcast could not be free because there is operating costs that go into doing this podcast. And the great folks at DW have been sponsoring this podcast for a while. And as you know, I've been playing DW for years, not only because they make great handcrafted drums, but because they support and foster drumming initiatives like this podcast. So please do me a favor and check them out at DWDrums.com and be sure to thank them for their contribution to the podcast. The other sponsor is Dream Symbols, and Dreams have a unique twist on what they do. They make really, really high quality symbols and gongs and then price them at a price that's really economical for every drummer out there. And they have a new ignition pack, which are made for the professional and priced for everyone. So uh, they're very easy to afford. And these ignition packs inspire you to start your engine. And I implore you just head over to dreamsymbols.com or check them out on social and just thank them uh, for their contribution to the podcast as well. And let's get back into it with Scott Pellegrone. I always like to talk about practice because everybody has a different system and some things that work for me may not work for you, may not work for a listener, but may work for another listener. So I always like to get perspective on how people practice to sort of give other people some ideas that may work for them. So it's kind of a two-part question. One, uh, what how, what's a practice routine or what do you suggest how people, how people practice, not specifically what? Uh, and then the second part of the question well, I'll get to the second part of the question, but let's talk about the practice thing first. Practice how to practice, yeah. so to speak. 
You know, I mean, the way that I practice now is very, very different than when I was coming up. Like when I was coming up, obviously I wasn't paying bills. I was living with my parents. Um, there is a schedule of going to school and coming home from school and school activities. So every window of opportunity I had, I would practice. I would use my metronome. I would read. I would transcribe. And I would work on trying to get something down the best I could whether it took me 30 minutes or like a month, you know, everything was very focused and kind of like a checklist. Like I need to get my left hand up. I need to work on my Swiss triplets or, or something. The way I practice now, if it isn't like job related because I have to learn music for a gig or a tour or a session, or I want to at least mentally prepare for a clinic that I'm going to do. Um, one of my favorite things to do, is to just sit down at the drums and just start tapping lightly, taking my time, and just hitting a, a bit of that listening and, and the visual thing. Mm-hmm. Not trying to blow chops. Just start hitting and seeing what what's going to happen today with the first touch. Um, I've kind of been doing this thing where I post on Instagram about every day, like, here's the first minute of what happened today yeah i've, I've been seeing them i've i've you been know? digging watching them too and and i and i post <laughs> you can see your dog in them too yeah peg's always in there hanging out or sticking out of my belly or something but <laughs> i post it to show like nothing's perfect i'm not perfect i'm not trying to prove anything there are there are things that i need to work on but this is what's happening this is where my brain is whether it's eight in the morning or i don't get to the drums until 1 p.m this is what happens. And I just try to be out of my comfort zone. I don't try to play anything that I know. I just let things roll out. And that's been a big part of my practice. So I can just kind of sit down and see where I'm at right? compared to where I was when I was 14. You know, I'm going to be 34 in a, in a month. You know, there's a big right, right. difference of, of 14 year old Scotty and, and 34 year old Scotty, you know? Um, so I try to make a bit of my practice of just sitting down and being comfortable to instrument. I know what the drums are. I know what they do. I have sticks in my hands and I know how to work them, you know? So now it's more of like a creativity and, and, and conceptual ideas. Yeah. And like letting the mistakes happen, like pretty much my whole playing is developed because of dropping sticks, hitting my head on a cymbal, knocking over a floor, Tom, breaking a drum head. Like, what do you do now? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, patch it up and figure it out. Yep. <laughs> and and that's kind of been my whole practice now. It's just like you can't fight gravity. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> right. You can't predict a cymbal stand falling over or uh, the monitor not working or, or whatever it is. Or like, falling through. Do you see that guy at Robert's Western World? What's in, that? You know, Rob. Do you know Robert's Western World in uh, in ten, right on uh, Broad Street in, or oh, okay. right in Broadway on. Yeah, yeah. In Nashville, why well, I don't know why I couldn't think of the city. So the Don Kelly band's playing, and the drummer stood up to hit the cymbals, tripped over a cord, and literally fell through the front window. Oh, that, I heard about that was that. behind him, and like fell out the window. It just happened like the other day. I just saw it on the news. That is insane. Yeah, you can't you can't prepare for that. And, and that, then he that, goes back in and plays the encore. I saw a post about that. That is monstrous. <laughs> That is dedication. Yes, it is. But it's like you can't predict those things, though, you know? No. And, and that was one of the biggest things I found is like you spend so much time having the perfect setup or having your drums tuned the same way. But in real life, weather changes things, you know, weather and climate. Um, are you jet lagged? Are you in a different time zone or almost in a different day mm-hmm. because you're flying? So I started working on, all right. I'll just sit down in a drum kit and I'll mess things up and then I'll practice on it that way. Like I don't sit down with things perfect. I practice with beat up, unbalanced drumsticks, um, uneven, different sizes, um, a mallet in one hand, a brush in the other, and like just go through all that to see if I can make music and be comfortable. Hmm. So I kind of work on the stuff you may not be able to predict and it's kind of (laughs) helped develop a comfort zone. Um, basically what I'm saying is like, I, I don't want to be comfortable hmm. that makes when, I'm, when I'm practicing and, and creating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because, um, Mark Giuliano was saying when he goes on tour a lot, you know, sometimes he gets a really good kit, sometimes not so much. And that every night it's like, 
it's it's like a different adventure because everything sounds different. It feels different. You know, he's like, I'm not it doesn't get stale because it's it's a challenge. But at the same time, it's this new adventure that I get to go on that night of depending on what heads are on there or, you know, what kit they sent me or if they're beat up or if the pedals broken or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it it adds to that spont spontaneity and that creativity that wouldn't work for a Christina Aguilera gig or something. No. But like. But in his setting, it, it works perfectly, you know? And I think for you, the stuff that you're talking about, something like that would work perfectly for you, too. Yeah, it's really similar. Like, uh, Mark, uh, I, I haven't met him, uh, but I love his playing. I think he's amazing. And he's one of those people who is a pioneer and a trailblazer because he can sit down, kick snare hats, and blow your mind. Yep. And he knows how to captivate you. He knows how to make you listen. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't just sit down and just play a bunch of linear stuff as loud and as fast as he can. He'll, I mean, he could just play a buzz roll for a long time and it would just be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, he's and a I monster. He is. And that's one of those things because it's very much with a lot of the tours I do. Um, I work with a group Digital Tape Machine, which is like an EDM Jamtronica thing where it gets really heavy. Um and it's very dancey back and forth and all the players are amazing and for me i can do that gig with kick snare hats and, and a crash if i want or i could use you know 10 12 14 16 toms and and the gig would be a lot of fun but right. again whether you're doing a fly date or you know touring with your trio sometimes you go on uh, hey man i'm gonna be in this area i'm flying in can you find me a kit and you're going to do a couple club days and you don't know what you're going to end up with. Yep. So it ends up being kind of magical because each each kit has its own spirit to it so to speak, <laughs> you know. I mean just like you or lack thereof. <laughs> lack thereof, you know, floor time legs that don't stay up and right. and all that. So I think that's that's an element that people need to be aware of. Um, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur and self-employed, like push your career. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Sometimes you're flying, sometimes you're in a compact car or you're in a van. You never know. It's the same way with your gear. You could be behind like that lovely, custom, beautiful kit, or you're on like that entry level backline kit that's put together with, you know, Sharpies and duct tape or something like, you know, but I think it's, it's something that's important that people should be able to sit down with a very, very small kit and be able to just rock it. Yeah. You should be able to sit down with a snare drum, just a snare drum and maybe brushes and just be able to create music. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not the it's not all the fancy stuff and the 18 cymbals and 37 toms and all that that you need to make all this music. It's like, yeah, man, just. You need one or two elements, two two textures or two colors, and that's about it. That's it, you know? you know. And you're starting to see it now. Like, there's a lot of players that use like two snare drums or a snare and a floor tom, and right. then a stack and maybe a crash ride. Mm-hmm. And it's for me. I mean, when I play out, especially with my trio, I have a 16 inch kick drum, maybe a 13 inch snare. I have my hi hats, and I just put a splash symbol on the on the tension rod there, and just let it hang. And then I'll bring a crash ride. And that's about it. That's I'll bring I mean nice. that's pretty much it. Maybe some shakers or something I can pull out of a bag or a drum head I can put on the snare to deaden it or make it sound mm-hmm. dirty. Right. And that's it, because I'm driving, I'm setting up my gear, you know, loading it in, I'm playing all night, tearing it down, packing it back up and driving again. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is put away four toms and two snares and eight cymbals. I'm the same way, man. <laughs> I'm like, this kit has to keep getting smaller and smaller. It's I had for a while, I actually took my whole kit and broke it down and was just playing kick snare hi-hat because I felt like I was overplaying at gigs. And I just said, well, if it's not there, I can't play it. So it was like six months of kick snare and hi-hat and it worked out really well it was pretty hip actually like it 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 really forced me to get creative with the grooves all the tunes grooved harder my feel got better my time got better and uh and the best part was i could load in in one trip so that's amazing i i I literally did that that same thing that was kind of like one of the moments i was probably like i don't know i was in my 20s i was still living out in portland oregon and i was gigging all the time like that was really my biggest income was uh, not that I was making a lot of money per gig, but I was doing two to three gigs a day, almost every day. Nice. Coffee shops to weddings to the jazz clubs to whatever. I just, all I wanted to do. 
but that was my setup because I was overplaying on all the gigs. I wasn't listening to the music. So I did the same thing you did. I took it all away and said, okay, make it happen right here. Yep. And it took me a while, but that was the game changer. I think that's what just put me on a different path. Mm-hmm. And I go back to that all the time. That's literally my favorite setup. I like it's it kick too. Snare hats. It's, it's just amazing. It's everything you need. Yep. Yeah. Once in a while, I like kick snare hat and a ride, like yeah. next to the like right in front of right me, front. next to the hi hat. So because there's a lot of interplay that you can get between the snare and the hi hat and the ride, but like I don't know, man. Other than that, I don't. Uh, you know, I I play toms now, but like I don't know. I feel like most of the time I don't even need them. Well, that's it. I have so many guys that they always make fun of me that I work with because I'll show up with my kit and they're like, "Really, dude? Really?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. You're like, <laughs> you I brought know? a hi-hat. That's I all brought I brought. I a hi-hat. You should be thankful. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for how many drums I bring on the gig. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> and you find a time, that's an extra 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Or you have to bring it and provide yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I, a buddy of mine always comments on my Instagram stuff because occasionally I'll have, I'll be using Tom's or whatever kit that's set up in my room. And he'll be like, I see a floor Tom. <laughs> What are you doing with that fancy pants? Yeah, yeah. So the the second part of that question a while ago that we talked about with with practice um, was sort of the I wanted to talk a little bit about the technique to musicality concept because it's really easy to work on all this technical, not really easy to work on this technical stuff, but it's really easy to look in a book and say, okay, R L R R L R L L. Okay, I got that. Let me go. So figuring out all this stuff, but then how how do you make the transition? into playing musically with this, with the, all of this ammo that you have. Uh, so I'd love to hear your, your approach on that. You know, it's tricky. I mean, it kind of, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like <clears throat> I really got obsessed with technique and rudiments at an early age, but that was like what I wanted to do and what I wanted to play. And I would get on a gig and all I'd try to do is throw in all the licks and tricks that I learned. And then the people would turn around and be like, what are you doing? You know, right. stop that. Or stop we didn't hire to, you for that. We don't need a metric modulation, you know, on <laughs> got to be real. Right. <laughs> like, you know. Did you ever hear, I'm sure that you heard that joke where they're like, the guy, you know, comes in for an audition. They're like, hey, can you play uh, singles with your feet at 250 beats per minute? And he's like, yeah, hey, I can do that. And he's like, okay, can you, you know, can you, can you solo in six? And he's like, yeah, hey, I can do that. And he's like, so did I get the gig? And they're like, no, that's why we fired the last guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think uh, it, it was like one of the simple things of like taking a paradiddle and just, you know, you move your right hand to the ride symbol and your left hand to the snare. And then you incorporate another voicing where your left hand's on the hi-hat but still playing two and four. And then you incorporate the bass drum and then open and closes with uh, left foot on the hats, like starting to take this rudiment and seeing how it is around the kit and how, depending on where an accent is, is placed, you know, on the one, the E, the A, and the uh, it's going to change the feel and the voicing of that rudiment. And then before you know it, you're moving this rudiment around the kit and it's creating many rhythms or polyrhythms. And that's a really unique way to start developing. Um, like what I do is I'll say, okay, you're going to play a double stroke roll. You can use any rate or ratio, you know, you can use quarters, eighth notes, eighth note triplets, sixteens, whatever, but you can only solo or groove with right, right, left, left. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that for sometimes hours. Just find, so, so I'm not limited, like, okay, right. we're raised like, okay, here's your single stroke roll, but and then you think that's it. Like mm-hmm. you're just supposed to learn how to play it faster and maybe, you know, quiet or loud. Right. Instead of like, man, taking right, right, left, left and making that your only sticking, but you're allowed everything else, mm-hmm. dynamics, speed, everything else, but only right, right, left, left. If you start thinking that way, now this double stroke roll is it's vocabulary. It is a language. It's a voice. Right. And it's amazing because it opens you up differently than what you would do with a single, mm-hmm. you know, or what you do with a uh, paradiddle or flams. So I kind of started getting into doing that where, okay, you're allowed everything else, just like, uh, you know, 
you're allowed everything else, but you're only going to use paradiddles today. Yep. My that. my mentor did the same thing, had me uh, – his name's Glenn Farrakhan, a fantastic drummer, and did the same thing of just setting rules for yourself, saying, okay, take take you know hand-to-hand triplets and – you know, play a melody, you know, play a melody of a tune or play along with this tune and make it groove. And you can only play triplets the whole time or, you know, whatever doubles yeah. or, or paradiddles or, you know, whatever it is. I think that's huge. That's amazing because I do see, you know, and I'm guilty of it. A lot of us are, but you start to see like there's genres of drummers this day versus like coming up. A lot of people, they love their rock and roll, their metal, but they still had their roots in classical and jazz so you could kind of sneak into any gig and maybe you're on a jazz gig and you pull it off and you sound like a legit jazz drummer and the next night you're rocking out and you're ripping off Bonham stuff and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But now it's like you're seeing a lot of people almost kind of closing in like they, they kill this linear, like pseudo linear type fills but you're not hearing your rudiments or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's challenging to take – something you know and make it sound like something you don't know. Right. You know, I, yeah, I can't yeah. think of a better way to put it, but And I don't think a lot of people execute on that very well. No, and it's tough. Like um not that I'm not that I'm saying I do either. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I don't. I, I still feel like I suck. You know, like every day I look back and go, I think I got better today and I can't believe the way I was playing yesterday or a yeah. month ago. You know, like it's You're like I can't believe like, I played that. You know, oh, like what, what was I thinking? I know, especially this day and age when your life is online and different forms of social media and, you know, like you're right. there. <laughs> I did that. I'm guilty. Yep. You know, it's like saying something dumb, which I do all the time. Like it's now recorded in history. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm really inspired by like there's a drummer, Fritz Hauser and um, Han Benick. If, if I'm saying his last name right, Han um, I feel like is almost like my cosmic grandfather or something. Um, I never knew of his playing until about a year or two ago. And I was like somehow discovered him because my guys at Dream Symbol said, hey, you need to check out Fritz Hauser. This guy's got this amazing brain. And I literally, I was watching Fritz and, and Han all last night. Now, how do you, what's I mean, Han's last name? Uh, I may spell it wrong, but it's, H-A-N is Han, and then it's B-E-N-I-C-K or B-E-N-N-I-C-K. Oh, okay. That's exactly how I had it spelled. Okay. And you'll find him. I mean, just put it up. There's like – it'll come up and it'll be him drumming on wheels of cheese. Um, He – I mean, I don't even know how old he is right now. I need to do – dig in. But this dude's technique is disgusting. I mean, it is so good. Him and Fritz both, they'll do something like – just a double stroke roll and they'll do it for like five, six minutes and it's scary. I mean, hmm. I was up, I couldn't go to bed till almost three last night cause I kept going back and forth between their videos, having a glass of wine. <laughs> and then I go to my practice pad and I'm like, this is how do people not know these guys? I mean, they're artists, they're geniuses, they're humble. They do what they do. I don't think they're out trying to push their Instagram or anything. I don't even right. think they care, but like, Han does like the the that like a sideways over the top yeah, roller. Yeah, yeah, you know that you can. I think JoJo and Danny Gottlieb and a few cats. I, I see do it, but you don't see a lot of people. He'll just sit there on every surface, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm going to put my foot on the drum, and I'm going to start whistling, and I'm going to pull out a brush out of my you know back pocket." And he can do he can multitask all over the drums, and it's just mind blowing. And I, these are the guys. I'm definitely I, checking this out oh, as soon as we get off. <laughs> and we'll, we'll have to correspond through email too because I just discovered all these other videos just last night, like old, nice. really hip, artsy films of just Han doing his thing and all these great camera angles. And he's smoking a pipe and then all of a sudden, boom, he's drumming on his legs. And like when I discovered this dude the first time, I was actually, no joke, in tears of joy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's someone else out there that I, I think I understand, you know, and I, I get. Wow. You know, it, it was just amazing. And then 
Yeah, send me the links too of the because I want to put it in the show notes for the listeners too, oh, so they should. can check it out. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's a shame. I feel like every drummer on earth should just know these people because they're t- they are so rich, they are so unique, and such beautiful individual players that it's hard to find. Like, there's no one like Han, man. There is no one like him. It's crazy. Wow, and, I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's so unique, and it and it's avant-garde it's risk-taking it's experimental the funny thing was uh i found he was somewhere in ethiopia doing like a rock gig and he had big toms and he's crushing i I mean he's got to be like in his 70s just crushing the bottom thing and then all of a sudden you can find him on this jazz gig that's him and a pianist and a snare drum and they perform for like an hour with no rehearsed music just talking back and forth nice and he just has that whole well that that every just well. got it, the whole thing. But you see that left hand stuff that he does; it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Nice. I'm gonna send it to JoJo Mayer, and he'll probably cry. I'm I'm sure JoJo's probably all all up in that guy. I'm somehow, yeah, I'm sure. You know, he's yeah. a mad scientist. JoJo is one of those people to me that I see is just like pushing every boundary. Yep. And I yep. love it. It's inspiring. I look at him and go, man, maybe if I get like another 200 years, yeah, uh, I might be able to like figure some of that stuff out. And, like, that, and JoJo is intense. Like, yeah. I, dude, I went to his house and it, just to interview him and like intense, it's like 1030 in the morning, three piece suit, you know, beer in his hand, like going death, death stare you know but he's like he's super nice like really really nice but just really intense too you know what I mean? imagine I yeah imagine. so he like stares he like looks through you when he's talking to you but he's like yeah come on in and i'm like okay and like he's like, <laughs> do, he's like do you want a beer i'm like it's 10 30 and he just like looks at me like i don't understand what you're saying yeah <laughs> you know you- do you not? <laughs> yeah, and, and then, like super, but like extremely cool, man. Like, uh, like very, very nice guy, uh, but just you know, just intense, and he's just a machine behind the kit. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. But he, he's one of those people, though, where he's just like he he finds ways around things. He finds how to re-engineer things, mm-hmm. uh, technique or music or, or products, anything. Like he, he's someone who like, you know, his life and his love is committed to this art form. Yep. And it yep. proves. It's, and he's totally proved. I love that he's sort of of the idea of like, I don't give a shit about anything else or anyone else in terms of like, what they think or, or there's no, you know, for him, he's, he just lays it all on the line. It's like, this is me. This is what I do. And I don't care what anybody else thinks really. Yeah. You know, which is amazing. And we need that because we've lost that because we have the entire music industry obviously is very much commercialized, very much cookie cutter. I mean, there are templates of if you do this style of music or this style of music, like Mm -hmm. if there's a template, even what key it's in to the chords you use to the sound. I mean, it's just laid out and cool and cool, whatever. I mean, people need to make money and that's why it's a music industry. But not too long ago, there was that middle finger in, in, in people's faces, you know, the punk rock thing, the grunge thing, the hip hop thing, everything was very much like, I'm going to, I'm going to say my, my piece. I'm going to speak my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand for something, the rage against the machine type thing. And yeah. there was very much that even the jazz world was so much rock stars without being rock stars. Like I'm going to do whatever the F I want yep. and yep. I'm going to spend and devote my life to music and to playing music, whether I'm living in a van or sleeping under the stage. Like that was the thing. It wasn't like, yeah. man, I, I, f- I think I'm a pretty good drummer and I can't wait to be rich and famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like try to tell that to Tony Williams, you know, right, or, right. or someone like that. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> no, and, and that's what I love. I mean, JoJo to me is is a huge, huge um, inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to many people, and, yeah. and to just like you said, he's a he's pursuing the art. Yep, he's creating the art. He's understanding it. Um, that's amazing. That's a role model without being a role model. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I totally agree. Totally. He could do any gig in the world. You know, he could. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the things he says in the interview, and then like cut out the snippet because I think it's so funny. He's he, he says it like just completely like deadpan. He's like, 
I have no interest in participating in pop music. <laughs> and just, but just like the way he says it, it's just like, and then he, it, but you know, then he just stares at me and I was like, all right. So, uh, next, qu- <laughs> next question. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I, it's funny though. He's just like, I have no interest in participating in pop music, which he could, like he could, he could play any gig, you know what I mean? Like easily. So it's just, he's, he's a, uh, he's definitely a force man, which, which oh yeah. Awesome. So what kind of, what kind of stuff do you have uh, going on now? And, and what are you looking forward to in the future, man? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, like I said, I have a lot of stuff already booked into 2017 with some uh, clinic tours and, tours and um i kind of i've I've had this thing where i've always tried to live and breathe under the umbrella of music and under the umbrella of professional music Mm -hmm. music for a living but you know i I ran as hard as i could becoming a private instructor and building up a program and then i said okay now i want to go to nashville and see how that scene works so i tried to figure out the studio work and um then i was like a freelance guy or whatever. I tried to figure out like every avenue right. that you can make a living and, and get better at. And, you know, I, I really had a run with the clinic thing where it was a good six, seven years of like constantly on tour overseas by myself, drum clinic, drum clinic, drum clinic. And a couple of years back, I said, it's time that I start, you know, working on books and working on a DVD and, and an online program and, and recording uh, my own music. Mm-hmm. So I've been slowly been working on all of that, running my own trio and a duo and a quartet. And recently I said, you know, I, I would like to do a little bit more touring with um, kind of in the EDM jam band market because I've always been a part of that. And I really I lucked out by with some of the relationships I had. I got a, a really cool gig with a group called Digital Tape Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, right now it's, it's run as a trio, but it started out as like a septet. Wow. Um, and then, but now it's down to a trio. We're doing stuff with Ableton. Marcus Rezik is the guitarist, and he's a monster. This dude is freaky good um, and, a, and an awesome dude. And then Joe Hedinga does a lot of the writing programming, and he's a keyboardist who's also a monster. I'm like scared to play with these guys because they're so good. <laughs> it's a good and, position to be in. Yeah, though. no, it's great because I'm going to get better. Um, and then uh, there's a side project called Flight Wave with Marcus Rezik and Jesse Clayton. Um, so these gigs are kind of Chicago, L.A. based. Um, luckily, though, the guys have roots to to Michigan as well. So we'll meet up, do a rehearsal, and then we'll we'll hit a show or do a fly date. We'll do be doing Euphoria Festival in Austin, Texas, and summer camp in Illinois, and and North Coast Music Festival, and a lot of stuff like that, um, which is exciting because you know cats like Adam Deitch and Stanton Moore right, and right. Chris Myers and all those amazing drummers are doing those festivals too. So I get to watch. And, and soak up the goodness. Um, and then, you know, I'm still doing dates with my trio, already working. I'm going to be doing kind of a series of uh, improv EPs with different artists that I work with. Nice. And then I'm also doing a big uh, video series for DW, PDP, and LP throughout the year, um, pretty much this entire year. So I have that, still teaching working um uh, i'll be a i am a satellite instructor for drumeo i just haven't mm-hmm. started it that'll start i believe in march and what else you know still doing a lot of studio work so it's like crazy busy really lucky and fortunate everyone that i work with is amazing and way better <laughs> than i am so it's uh challenging which is good all right that's great, man. I'm, I love the fact that you have all these irons in the fire, and you've and you're like, all right, I'm gonna carve out my little world, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make my living doing this, and and make it work for me, which is amazing and inspiring for for uh, for the listeners and for myself. It just, you know, it's possible. You can figure this out. You know, it doesn't, and you don't have to be on this major, you know, this high level tour that you're playing with, you know, a huge pop star or something like that to to really make a great career out of this. So. So congrats to you, man. Hey, thanks. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. So if people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the what's the best way that they can interact with you? Or do you do Skype lessons and all that? I do. I do. I do Skype. Um, Scott Pellegrim Drum. Everything is under my name, Scott Pellegrim, P-E-L-L-E-G-R-O-M. 
uh, scottpelgram.com, which eventually this fall will also be a, a big education site. Um, Instagram is my favorite uh, social media platform, um, and it's a fun way to interact with people. I've mm-hmm. actually met a lot of great drummers that way. Um, uh, Facebook I use because everyone uses it. Uh, so if you want to like the music page, go ahead and do that. Um, but that's the best way. You can, you can just hit me up that way. I, I always do my best to respond. It may not happen right away, but just look me up. Holler. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll link, uh, all your social media and all that stuff on the show notes as well so that everyone can find that. And I just want to say, Scott, man, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with me. Congratulations on all the success that you've had so far. And I wish you nothing but success in the future, man. Thank you so much, and I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm really happy that you're doing this for the drum community and thank showing you. all facets of, of how things work. Well, I thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of it. I know the listeners appreciate it as well. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. So there you have it, Scott Pellegrom. Hope you enjoyed that. And also, don't forget about Wednesday, February 10th, having a live seminar and Q&A with Jim Riley, talking about a survival guide for the modern drummer, covering all the styles and and you know all the key elements of all these styles as well. You can check that out at drummersresourcepro.com. And I know I ask a lot, but I need you to do me a favor. I need you guys to leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. It helps the, the podcast show up higher in search results and... Uh, you know, if you could just do that for me, I would be very, very thankful. And what else? That's about it. Follow me on Snapchat. I'm at Nick.Rafini. Again, on Snapchat, Nick.Rafini. I'll be doing a lot more daily vlogging and things like that. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. <laughs>